treasure, but the true treasure is in your word. Now, God, help us to unlock that treasure tonight. We want to unlock the treasures of your word. Speak your servants, listen, and we will give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Guys, help welcome those who are online. Give a hand clap to all those people. For all those of you who are watching us online, uh, we'd love for you to come and join us. If you're in the Detroit area, we're right around the corner, 600 North Campbell Road, Royal Oak, Michigan, 48067. If you want a group of people that love the Lord and love the Word, you guys love the Word? You will be in the right place. So we're starting today in the book of Genesis chapter 32. We're going to see some things from Jacob. Genesis chapter 30, did I write 31 on there? That's right. Genesis chapter 31. And what we see is we're going to see some maturation from uh, this young man named Jacob. Jacob, we know, is a street boy. Now, he's close to the tents, but what I mean by the street is Jacob is good at hustling. He's what we would call a hustler. Uh, he, uh, or, uh, or a thug in, in a ways, or a criminal, or if he's in the corporate world, he'd be a corporate raider. He's a person that knows how to take what he wants and to deceive people, and, but God has a plan for Jacob, doesn't he? He's going to be, when we uh, always pray to our God, we say to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and what? Jacob. But the problem is Jacob is not yet living according to the calling that's on his life which lets us know and gives me encouragement that sometimes Jeremiah is told, before you were formed in the belly, I what? Knew you, and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nation, which means that God can have a plan, a purpose for your life, and you not be living up to that calling yet, that God has to get you to the place where he can keep you in his will, because sometimes you're caught, you will have a calling that's higher than where you're living. Amen? In other words, that unfortunately, sometimes people, will, their calling will take them to where their character can't keep them. And so since this is an important event, God is allowing Jacob to go through some things, to get some of those trickster ways out of his system. I wanted to speak to some people who might be going through some hard things today. And a lot of times we always say that it's the devil that's always on me. Every time you go through hardness, it's not always the devil. Sometimes when we endure hardness and, and we endure trial in life, sometimes that's God allowing us to be tested. God is allowing us. He's not tempting us, but he's allowing us to be tested because there's some things that need to be brought out of what? Us. There's some habits and some mannerisms that need to be brought out of us. And Jacob is a little wild and Jacob's a little deceptive. And so what God does, he allows Jacob to get a little bit of his own what? medicine. He's a trickster. He's tricked his brother out of his birthright. He's tricked his brother uh, out of his blessing. <clears throat> and now he's running for his life. But how many of you know that no matter how tricky you think you are, <coughs> everybody has a match. <laughs> and Jacob meets his tricky uncle named Laban. And how tricky is Laban? That Laban tells Jacob, you can marry my pretty young daughter, Rachel. And because she's wearing a veil, he sends in his less pretty daughter, Leah. And Jacob, who has worked for seven years for this woman, finds out that he's been tricked. He's been built bamboozled. He's been hoodwinked. He's been run amok and led astray. He, he, he's, in a, he's in a bad situation, and he has to pledge seven more years in finance, as Brother Dave will say, his next bride. 
He can't afford the dowry. Part of that dowry, you may or may not know, is actually supposed to go to the bride. So that bride price, part of it goes to the bride, and we'll see that in a second. And here it is. We find ourselves about 20 years later, uh, after the fact, it has taken 20 years for Jacob to finally grow up a little bit. But lest we be so hard on Jacob, how many of us found ourselves silly at 20 and now we're 40 and we still haven't grown up? Or we 50 and 60 and we're still doing childish things and we find ourselves going through the same old what? Cycles. Anybody can be honest that you find yourself doing that sometimes? <laughs> so we shouldn't be too hard on Jacob because Jacob is just going through a process. I love this song my sisters used to sing. They said, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. When God's get, when he gets through with me, I shall come forth is pure gold. In other words, part of the lyrics will say, if you'll see me and I'm not walking right or talking right, I want you to remember, my sisters may be watching this, one of them is, one of them is going to heaven, that my God is not through with me. But when God gets through with me, I'm going to be what he wants me to be. I want to speak an encouraging word to you. You may not be living how you want to live yet, and you may have some secrets that you don't want anybody to know. But at the end of the day, if you will submit yourself to God, God will take you and make something beautiful out of you. I often tell people that life is like a stained glass window. Why? Because when the sun shines through it, it's beautiful, but you can't have a stained glass window without broken pieces. And it's amazing how God can take the broken pieces of your life and, and shine the light of his son through it and take what will be tragic in your life and turn it into something beautiful for all to see. And we see this happening to Jacob. We see maturation happening to, into Jacob. Everybody say maturation. There are people that come into Christ many times, but they don't grow up all the time. You hear Paul talking to the church as he writes his epistle. He said, I would give you meat, but I have to give you milk. And what he's saying is, you've been in the church a long time, but you still haven't, what, grown up. And so this is an encouragement for us because we've seen Jacob's language. Jacob doesn't, when his wife's not able to bear uh, like she needs to bear, Jacob doesn't respond like his father Isaac. Jacob blames everything on God. That's God's fault. Don't come to me. He, you, you often see him saying what he's done. Jacob's really self-centered. And so what God does, God loves it. He smiles sometimes. The Bible says he winks at our ignorance. Why? Because God knows no matter how much we kick, the Lord is what? What's that S word? Everybody say sovereign. God says you can kick however much you want, but you're going to be just like Paul. You can't kick against the prick. The only reason that you have not stopped is because the Lord hasn't stopped you on your Damascus road yet. But when God gets ready for you to be who he wants you to be, sometimes he's got to break you down. Anybody ever had to be broken down till you can get to the point where you can hear God and God comes in like the sprint of the Verizon commercial? Can you hear me now? <laughs> you had a good job. That job is gone. Can you hear me now? You had a good marriage. That marriage is not where it needs to be. Can you hear me now? And now we see Jacob going through this because for 20 years he's been toiling in the fields. He was tricked by his father. And now he has a wife and a, and a plus one that he doesn't even necessarily care for. Let, so let's read where we are in Genesis chapter 31. Let's start right there and let's read. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. Uh-oh. Jacob is under the boot of Laban. Laban keeps trying to hold his boot on Laban 
on, on Jacob. He's always trying to trick Jacob for what? More labor. But the more he tries to get on Jacob, the more God tries to, uh, <laughs> the more God, God ha- blesses him. I hear my Angelo saying, and yet still I rise. Sometimes people will get jealous of what God is doing for you in your life. And what they will try to do is they'll push you down because they think that's their blessing. And so now there's trouble in the camp because if Laban's not making the money, his sons get Laban's inheritance, not Jacob's inheritance. So what they're really saying is Jacob has all the wealth and we're going to end up with what? Nothing. This is the problem. So let's read verse 2. What does it say? And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Now stop for a second. When's the last time Jacob has heard from, really heard from God? We'll see that he sent a messenger. But Jacob, a while back, wasn't hearing from God like that, was he? But sometimes when it's time for God to move in your life, God knows when he wants to speak into your life. You may feel like, like I'm all there by myself, but I've come to tell you that God is like a GPS. If you put something into a GPS, the GPS doesn't talk all the time. And that's how life works sometimes. The GPS does not talk when you get on the 696 until you get ready to get off on your exit. And when you get to where you need to be, it'll say turn right or turn left. And oftentimes we want God to tell us every direction about every light, uh, everything. But what God does, he puts us on the right road and we live according to his word. And when we get to major turns in our life, we'll sometimes hear the voice of God a little heavier than we normally do. That first thing says Jacob's struggle shows us that God can help us even when the scales are tipped against us. And we'll see that all throughout this scripture. We're going to keep reading for a little bit. Let's go to Genesis 31, and they're already at 3. So let's read that again and continue. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. Y'all come on and read with me. I like to hear you. Help me out. Let's read. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. Wow. But God did not permit him to harm me. Mm. I might not get through all the chapter today because as soon as I heard that, I heard this scripture that God says, don't you know that I made the hand that made the weapon? And that no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. (laughs) And every tongue that rises against you, I shall condemn. I've come to tell you that you may seem like sometimes it doesn't seem fair to do the right thing. It seems like that the wicked people get ahead sometimes. They put their foot, foot on your head. But I've come to tell you that if you keep doing what God has called you to do, soon enough, God will put you where you need to be. God will raise you to where you need to be. Don't worry about doing the right thing. Sometimes it looks like you're losing. But remember what I told you? Even when I lose, what? I win. Because all things work together for those that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Sometimes it's going to look like you taking an L in life. But if you do what's right, your father has cheated me ten times. I only cheated my brother twice. I've gotten five times more than what I got. But guess what? Every time he did it, God continued 
to bless me. Why? Because when you're in the will of God, and this is important for the church to know why. You know why? Because the church, the biblical church, people who are teaching true and sound doctrine and not doctrine that's mired by the world and by culture and cultural opinion, when you preach the true word of God today, you're going to come under attack. You're going to be oppressed. We are now in a post-Christian society. Everybody's not Christian. And if you come out and you say what's right and what God wants you to say, guess what? People are going to stand up against you, but you might have to pay a little bit here. But God in the end is going to take care of you because he said, blessed are you when uh, when you are persecuted and all men revile you for my name's sake. For great is your reward. Where? In heaven. Sometimes we worry too much about this stuff down here. You can't take this stuff down here uh, with you. But I remember when I was a little child, there was a, a song that said it may be morning, night or noon. I don't know, children, just how soon, but I'm sending up my timber every day. What does that mean? That every day I'm working to see Jesus. Every day, everything might not go my way. Sometimes I might have to take an L on this earth, but God sees, and God is not going to hear my cry and overlook me. After all the dirt that Jacob did, God still blessed him. Aren't you glad that after all the stuff you got away with that people will never know? And if some, you told somebody you would have, they would have to come up missing, after all of that stuff, God still will bless you if you will humble yourself and submit to him. We serve a wonderful and a merciful God. Mm. He says, your father has cheated me 10 times. Verse 8, if he said the spotted shall be your wages, then the flocks bore spotted. And if he said the stripes shall be your wages, then all of the flock bore, bore stripes. Verse 9, thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given it to me. I hear somebody saying the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the what? For the just. <laughs> In other words, I was trying to do it with my stick. Remember the stick he was taking last week, trying to use divination to try to uh, use sympathetic magic to, to try to be able to, to, to control it. But now he realizes all along that it wasn't me doing it. It was God. Amen. One of the biggest epiphanies you will ever have in your life is when you look back over your life and you realize that the reason you made it was not because you were smart, it's not because you were pretty, it's not because you were handsome, it's not because you were born in the right neighborhood, it was not because you were born with the right color, it was not because you had the right degrees or the right influence. The only reason you're still here is because it was God. There are plenty of people who have master's degrees in the unemployment line. There are plenty of people that used to have beautiful bodies that can't walk anymore. But it's only by the grace and the mercy of God that you are where you are. And that's when true maturation really comes. When you humble yourself and say, whatever I have, it's only because of God. If I have a house, it's not my house. It's God's house. I don't mind giving. You know why? Because if I have money, it's not my money. It's God's money. If I have some time, I don't mind serving. You know why? Because it's not my time. It's God's time. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything I have in my life, the Lord gave it to me. 
Every bad thing in my life is all me, and every good thing in my life is all God. I blame every bad thing. I won't blame it on the devil. I blame it on this devil. I blame it on the flesh that comes in and does what he wants to do. When he wants to do it, it has to reap the benefits. But if there's anything in my life that can be called good, it's only because a good God showed me mercy. It's only because a good God showed me grace. It's only because, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, when my enemies, even my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the enemies, even my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell, though a host should encamp against me, a whole army. He says, in this will I be confident. Why? I'm not worried about that stuff. Because one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. He shall hide me. David we see here that Jacob caused some of his trouble. But even in the time of trouble, guess what? God hid him. He found out what came from Psalms 91, that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I don't know if you know it, but when the heat of the enemy has been on your back, the only reason you've been able to survive is because the shadow of the Almighty has been taking the heat away from you. Just like he did with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that the heat of the furnace burned up those that were around him, but the shadow of the Almighty of the Son of God protected you. I want to speak to somebody that knows you should be dead. You know you should be in jail. You know you should be locked up. You're only here because the shadow of the Almighty has brought you. That the shadow of the Almighty has kept you. Jacob says that the Lord has done it for me. He's come a long way from the trickster he used to be. He's still not yet perfect. But we see God working in his life. Verse 10, it says, the breeding season of the flock. I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God, the messenger of God, said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flocks are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Dr. King said, how long? Not long, because no lie could last forever. People may do you wrong. People may mistreat you. But if you know God, God has heard your cries. I hear in Revelation, you may have to pay on this earth, but I remember that in the book of Revelation, there were some in heaven that were martyrs, and they were asking God to avenge their, their death. They were the blood of the saints, that God is going to not leave your mistreatment unknown. He sees. He knows what you're going through. Verse 3, we now see God directing Jacob's path to the land 
of his fathers. It's time for Jacob to go back home. His inheritance that he got, that he swindled for, he had to leave. But when God got him to the right place, God said, now you're ready to come back home. Some of us are wondering, when I'm, am I going to get the blessings that God has for me? And look at your neighbor and say, when you grow up. When you stop lying to other people, when you stop lying to yourself, when you stop blaming everything on everybody else and you look at yourself and you can say, it's not my mother, it's not my father, it's not my sister, it's not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, I'm, I'm standing in the need of prayer. When you can look at Jonah like Jonah and say, don't throw another thing off the boat, it's not the boat and it's not you, I'm the problem, I'm running from God and God is after me. When you can be honest and say, Lord, I'm running from you and I'm tired of running, cast me over the side so. I don't hurt anybody else because when I'm out of the will of God, I'm not only a danger to myself, but I'm a danger to others. Oh, Jesus. Throw me out of the boat. I'd rather be out of the boat. Put me back in your will. Even if I got to go through your will. Through the belly of a fish. Thank you, Holy Verse 13 says, I am the God of Bethel, which means the house of God, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise and go out from this land. He's getting the commission that Abraham had. The mantle is passing and that Isaac got. And return to the land of your kindred. God is getting ready to move him and move him to a different level. But God can't bless you until he breaks you. Before Jacob gets back to where he needs to go, he's going to be walking with a limp. God's got to break your flesh to get you to where he really wants you. Because your flesh will hinder you. We're not going to talk about that tonight. But I want you to see something and pay close attention to what it said. Verse uh, and number three says, Jacob is maturing and recognizing God for his protection. Now let's see how Laban's daughter look at this. Verse 14, what do they say? Let's read that together. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our fathers belongs to us and our children. Now then, whatever God said to you, do. Mm. Now, we don't need to skip over this because this is question four. And it says Laban's mistreatment of his daughters caused them to have no sympathy for them, for him. What lesson does that give us now about how we should treat our children? See, that bride price that, that he worked 14 years to get, some of that was supposed to go to them. And Laban tricked them out of it and didn't give them any. And they didn't have any inheritance left. The Bible says, blessed is the man who leaves not just an inheritance to his children, but his children's children. He took the inheritance that was supposed to be for his kids, and he said, I'm not worried about y'all. I take care of my what? Self. But now, when he's going to need, he doesn't, he's forgotten that the only reason he has wealth is because of the man they married. And now that wealth is about to leave, and those people that you think would love him are about to turn on him. Can somebody tell me what lesson this teaches us about how we need to treat our kids? That's it. Yeah. If you mistreat your children, 
Remember, <laughs> one day you're going to need them. Because one day you're carrying them. And it may be one day that they're carrying you. And when my mother was going through nursing home care, she didn't stay there long. I tried to give my mom the best care I could, but when I was going there, I was often astounded at how many days I would visit my mom. And I asked the lady there, I said, I don't see anybody else coming. She said, baby, people don't visit their parents like that. These people been here all alone. Now, some of them were there because they were mean and selfish. They lived their life for them, and now when their kids are grown, they don't want anything to do with them. Sometimes it's because their kids are just spoiled rotten. That's the case for some of them. But how many could it be that are all alone because instead of investing in your children, you invested in everything else? You invested in your career. You invested in your education. You invested in your house. And you really neglected your children. And what, before you knew it, they were up, grown, and gone, and 18. And now they're doing crazy stuff. And you're like, I taught you better than this. And honestly, they said, you didn't teach me anything because you were never around. You were always at work. That's it. That's it. That's it. A child would rather have less money and have their parent than have the world and not have their parent. Because the best things that you can give, I never had wealthy parents, but the best things my mama gave me were things that money could not buy. <coughs> Laban has been wicked to his children, so his own daughter said, do whatever the Lord tells you to do, baby. Take everything you got. Wow. You see how important it is for us to have good relationships with people because he has mistreated them. But they're about to get ready to leave. And so they tell Jacob to do what he wants to do to Laban. Let's start at verse 17. It says, so Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove all away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possessions that he had acquired in Padan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban. You got to get him one last one in. Laban the Aramean, by not telling him that he intended to flee, he fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban, Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Don't you know sometimes even when huh, the Bible says when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift the standard against them. Satan can only go so far till God said that's enough. You may be going through some things, but I've come to tell you that at some point in time, he can only do what God allows him to do. Well, you, what you doing, Satan? I kicked you out of heaven, but I, I make you come, come back and report to me every day so you can see who's boss. So you got to kneel before me. I'm going to and fro on the earth, going up and down in it. Trying to see who I can devour. Cool. Have you thought about Job? I would. But you know you won't let me touch him. You got a hedge around him. And unless you take it around him, 
I can't touch it. What does that mean? Satan can't do nothing. I know that's improper grammar. Satan can't do anything for our English majors that God will not, unless God allows. That is a, a, a wonderful thought, that you are under the ultimate protection of the Almighty. That does not mean that bad things won't happen to you, but it does mean that he can only, the enemy can only go so what? I, hear, I need to tell somebody. Somebody said, how long? Not long. I heard you. How long? Not long. He can only go so far. If you turn to God, it won't be long. So Laban's after him. He's chasing him. And, and we're going to go to verse 25. It says, and Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country. And Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban says to Jacob, what have you done? That you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like a captive of a sword. Like he just forgotten that he just took this man, lied to him, swindled him out of his wife, swindled him seventeen more, seven more years for another one, then made him work for him for six years and changed his wages ten times. He's cheated him more times than you can count. And amazingly, he comes to you and says, how could you treat me like this? Have you ever seen somebody that does that? They treat you bad and then all of a sudden they're the victim. Wow. Rachel has, stu she has stolen those gods. And, and, and Rachel steals those gods and we don't know exactly why they stole them. But those gods are called teraphim. Everybody say teraphim. T-E-R-A-F-H-I-M. What are teraphim? Teraphim are false gods. They're gods that people often kept around them, multiple gods in their tents, and they were used for protection. They were also used as legal legal binding documents. They were also used uh, for inheritance, sometimes whoever got the teraphim in that culture, uh, not the Hebrew culture, but the culture around them, that Near East culture, would actually get the bigger portion of the inheritance. So we don't know. Rachel could have been saying, I'm taking this because you took my inheritance and it's really mine, or she could have been thinking, well, he gets special knowledge from these, so I'm going to take these so he won't find out where we are. Either way it goes, to steal the teraphim is a pretty much a bad thing. It's a really, really bad thing. So Laban's chasing after them, trying to get them. So that's number five. Rachel's actions show that she, uh, number five, those false gods were called teraphim. They were used for protection, inheritance, and also for guidance. That's what number six would say. And uh, we'll see, and I'll go ahead and get you the other one because we're going to see it in verse 19. She hid them under her saddle. So let's see what Laban has to say to him. He says, what have you done? Verse 26. What have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With tambourines and lyre. Why did you leave me? I was going to give you a big send-off if you'd have just stayed. Yeah, I trust that. I trust that like the gas prices will be the same tomorrow as they were today. And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now, you have done foolishly. Now, he want to let him know, I really want to hurt you, but I can't. Listen to what he says, verse 29. Let's read that together they get to pull up. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. In other words, I'd knock you out right now, but I'm scared of your God. 
Isn't that a wonderful thing? That if you walk in, mm-hmm, that's it. That's the connection. If you fly, follow a, a righteous, one righteous man can put a thousand to flight, and two can put ten thousand to flight. If you connected to God, it doesn't matter what the enemy wants to do. God, if God says no, there's a no. So He says, "I can't do it. I was afraid." Jacob says, "I was afraid. I thought that you would take my daughters, uh, take my daughters and my family by force. In other words, I thought that you would take them and you would keep them." And so verse 31, 32 says, anyone with whom you find your God shall not live. Now I want to stop right here. It's important for us to, to look at this verse 32. We're going to go down a little bit more. Uh, he says, anyone who you find with your God shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Point out what I have that is yours and take it. And now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen. The Bible says, be slow to what? You ought to make sure you got all the facts before you run your mouth. He had just cast a death sentence on the woman he loved. Wow. He doesn't know she had him. Now, let's flip the script. Unless you can 100% prove somebody did something, you probably shouldn't be accusing people of stuff. Have you ever had somebody come to your house and you had some in your house and when they left, you couldn't find it? And what was the natural inclination? It was here when you came, and it's gone now that you're gone. So therefore, you took it. We're quick to speak without evidence and speak on what? Assumptions. He assumed that everybody was innocent. And when he assumed that everybody was innocent, he put his wife in harm's way. Mario, you ever accused somebody of something and realized later that it, 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 that it, that it really wasn't them? <laughs> he said he did it today. <laughs> we all do that. Anybody seen my keys? You moved them, I know. You moved them, it was you. Because I put my keys right here and then you find them in your pocket. We should be careful and slow to speak. He has put her in a danger. But watch how she played this off. This is, this is, looks like she got a little bit of Jacob in her. Jacob in her. Verse 34 says, now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them under her camel saddle and sat on them. Labram felt all, uh, all about the tent, but did not find them. He's going in everybody's tent. He gets to her last. And he said, and she said to her father, let not my Lord be angry. I cannot arise for you before the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. So she sat on the saddle and said that it's my time of the month. That's what the way of women is. And culturally, I can't stand up before you. I'm considered unclean. So if, if, I'm sorry for not standing in your presence. But you know, because of the culture, I can't get up. You hang around a liar long enough. <laughs> you learn how to be a master of it. But she saves her life with this lie. Because he's given his word. If they find that stuff there, he has to do what he said he was going to. So Laban leaves and Jacob gets angry. And it says, then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? He doesn't realize he's still wrong. You see how, how you can easily think you're in the right and still be in the wrong? That you can be arguing for something that's not biblical and still think because the culture says it's right, you're right, but you're actually what? Wrong. 
That's why we use the straight A's of scripture. That's why we shouldn't argue for things in the culture without applying and making the word applicable and take out all of everything that the world thinks and all vain philosophy. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we take captive every thought and every high thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into obedience of Christ. In other words, every vain philosophy that you picked up from your university, everything from your psychology class, everything from, uh, from these thoughts of transcendentalism and secular humanism and relativism and all those other isms that you have out there and, 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 and those, and you think that you're super smart. But at the end of the day, it is important for us to know that we can be making an argument and be completely wrong. Be careful in your marriage before you go to the mat on something. Because you might have to cook that crow. And eat it. Be careful before you argue with people on social issues. And you're willing to go to the mat. And you haven't consulted the Bible about your opinion. Because you may have to come back and say, I was wrong. Mm. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Then Jacob became angry. He berated Laban. And so they're not leaving on good terms. For he says, for you have felt through all my goods and have found nothing of all your household goods. Set it here before your kinsmen that we may be side between the two of us. These 20 years I have been with you. He's going to tell them what's on his mind now. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I didn't bring to you. I bore the loss myself. From the hand uh, you required it, whether stolen or by uh, day or by night, it was there I was. By day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my, my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years, 20 years. He was just supposed to get a wife. 20 years. That one mistake cost him 20 years. These 20 years I have been in your house. I have served 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. If God, the, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of, fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. You meant to do wrong to me. Don't you know that sometimes God will make people bless you that don't even want to bless you? He'll take, he'll, he'll take something out of, out of their hands and give a divine transfer. Something, the wealth of the wicked, wicked is set up for the what? Just. That doesn't mean all the time that that's going to happen. But God is the sovereign judge, and he's able to tip the scales either way he wants. Why? Because our God is in the heavens, and he does what? Whatever he pleases. That's it. That's it. He does whatever he wants. So, Laban, you tried, but guess what? God was on my side. Mm. Verse 43, then Laban answered and said to Jacob, the, da these, the daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks. And all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters and for the children whom they have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it there. And Jacob said to the kinsmen, gather the stones. And they gathered the stones. This is one of the scriptures that we often used to say as a blessing at the end of the church. But it wasn't really a blessing. You probably had this heard, heard this said in your church. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent. What? 
one from another, that's not a blessing. That's the other words. If you come to this side of the rock, I'm going to bust your head. <laughs> that's what that is. That, that's basically what that is. And if you come over here, so may God be a witness against what we have said. We're going to see that in just a second. Uh, verse uh, 48, after they made the stone. Verse 48, Laban said, this heap is a witness between me and you. Therefore, he named it Galib and Mizpah. For he said, the Lord, this is where it is. The Lord watched between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. In other words, you stay over here and I'm going to stay over here. And God watched between us so we don't cross each other's paths. Because if we cross each other's paths again, you ever had somebody like that? Go on about your business. We good. But if I see you again, <laughs> that shouldn't be the Christian way. But we've all had that, haven't we? <laughs> so may the Lord watch between you and me while we're absent one from another, when we're out of one another's sight. It's amazing to look at scriptures in context and see how much stuff we say in Christendom that really is out of what? Context. This is not a blessing. They're, they're at odds with each other. And saying, may God keep the peace between you and me. Because you want to hurt me, and I want to hurt you. But your God going to hurt me, so I'm going to let you make sure. Verse 50, if you oppress my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is a witness between you and me. In other words, I can't watch you, but God watch you. Let the Lord watch what you do. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness. They are basically, when you see people establishing pillars, they're establishing churches. They're establishing altars uh, and places of covenant. That I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this pillar to me. In other words, this is the last time we're going to see each other in life. You go your way and I go what? Mine. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor. Isn't the Bible so interesting? When you read it the right way, the God of their father judged between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill, his hill country, and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose, kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. That part of his life is now over he's come out of that process a little bit wiser he knows he's now depending on who god he's still not perfect but he's depending on god let it not be that god we have to waste 20 years of our life before we finally submit i can't count the numbers of times that i've seen people waste their lives going after houses money cars and land and partying and then when they get broke busted and disgusted and too old and broke down to do anything now you're ready to serve the lord no now you're ready for you're ready for some doctor's visits that's what you're ready for to pay for all this partying that you did you can't hear your liver's bad from all the alcohol your lungs bad from all the cigarettes and weed and all the other stuff and vaping i'm ready to serve the lord now how you can serve him but the Bible says, seek the Lord in your what? Youth. It's good to be able to serve God when you're, when you're old. That's encouragement, like I said Sunday. It does my heart good to see our seniors. I know they got aches and pains. I know they hurt. Because I'm 40, and sometimes when I get out of bed, I hurt. So, it, it, and that's, that's the thing. I used to get out of bed, just hop right out of bed. Sometimes I get out of bed, and I just stand there. 
I'd stand up for a minute to just see where I am and let my let my body catch up with the rest of me and let my my feet and like what's feet I, I see you there I'm waiting for you to come alive oh there you go all right it's time to walk and we go down the steps and we go down the steps and we hold the rail because we used to just shoot down those steps but early in the morning we don't want to take that chance so we 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 do that I know your body is not like it used to be but you show up faithfully all the time God doesn't overlook He's setting up a crown for you. But may it be, and I'm praying that God sends young, strong men to this church who are ready to say, you know what, it's time for me to submit to God. All these churches around that need work done, and all I'm doing is giving the devil all my time and all my energy. It's time for me to submit and do the right thing. God's going to send them. He is sending them. So the last one says, uh, these last two questions says, Jacob's statement could have cost Rachel her life. We should be careful of what we declare unless we have undeniable proof. And the last one says, Jacob shows us that we should be doing right even when things are going wrong. Sometimes it's going to look like you're losing. And you may lose the battle, but you're not going to lose the war. Just do right. People are going to treat you bad. But do it anyway. Why? Because grace, great is your reward in heaven. It's important for you to know that. I'm going to read you something, if I can find it real quick. This is what Jacob has learned in his 20 years, because he did people wrong. This is written by Mother Teresa. And this is what she says. This is her poem. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It says, people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered, forgive them anyway. If you're a kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, some could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will, people will often forget tomorrow, but do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God, and it has never been between you and them anyway. It was never between Jacob and Laban. It was between Jacob and God. God used Laban to humble Jacob, to build up a relationship with him. Some of the stuff and struggles you go through in your life, it ain't the enemy. You think it's, it's that person that can't stand you and that's on Facebook and saying crazy stuff? That ain't what, what's really going on. Ephesians 6 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, the rulers of spiritual darkness and wickedness in high places. There's spiritual wars that's going all over the internet, and people are, 
attacking you for being a Christian and having Christian views. I've never seen in the life of me, in my 41 years, Christians attacking Christians for having Christian values. It's upside down. For believing what the Bible says, Christians are now attacking Christians. But guess what? Love them because it's not between you and them anyway. It's between you and God. So I pray today that God has blessed your heart and helped you to see truly what it's really about. It's not your enemy. It's not about that. It's between you and God because the covenant is for the promise what? See, God made a covenant with Abraham and he made a covenant and he told Eve that I'll put enmity in Genesis 3.15 between you and the woman and I will bless I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, and you will strike his heel, but he'll crush your head. This is God's plan. God is defeating the enemy. It's really not about you anyway. So when you have people that's talking to you about Facebook and all the stuff that's going on in current events right now, and you feel scared to say something because you know you're going to get ridiculed, say it anyway. When you think you're going to get unfriended, blocked, and deleted, don't be obnoxious. Don't be mean. But if God put it on your heart to post it, and it's true, post it anyway. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to have to give an account to them for your silence. You're going to have to give an account to God. The Bible says in James, don't y'all love James? We almost at the end. I know some people are like, oh, thank you, Jesus. We're at the end of James. James got some tough stuff. But James said, those who knew what to do that is right and do it not, to them it is what? Sin. If the church says silent to be friends with the world, I come to tell you, the world is not your friend anyway. If you bow to them so they'll be quiet, you're still losing. just losing in silence. But oh, that God, that God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. If you're listening on this broadcast tonight or if you're in this room and you know you need to rededicate your life to God or that you need to give your life to God right now, this is the time that you can do it. No gimmicks, no tricks. You don't have to come up to an aisle or, or anything. But right where you sit, the Bible says that those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you can confess that you are a sinner in need of the grace of God and that you need the sacrifice of his son dying on the cross for your sins to be saved. And you can abandon your old way and receive his free gift by faith. You can be saved. I'm going to allow those that are in the room as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you know you need to have another touch with God, you can raise your hand in the building. Uh, or, or if you're online, if you're that person that's listening right now, we're going to pray for a fresh anointing. As the book of Acts says, that times of refreshing shall come. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord God, that you said that blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak blessing for those who are seeking you who are seeking your word, who are seeking your promise, Lord God, seeking to be more godly, seeking to be in your will, and seeking to be in your way. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, those that are coming to you and feel the draw 
of your Holy Spirit on, on their life. Lord, I pray for that draw to be even stronger and stronger, that they will submit and they will come to you tonight, Lord God, and that they will follow you all the days of your life. Lord God, that we know that you are powerful and you are mighty to save. I thank you for those who have been in this study that helped make this study what it is by the power of your spirit and who have interacted. And I pray for somebody to get saved tonight or somebody to rededicate their life to Christ tonight, to the true unadulterated word of God and to the one and only God, the one and only God, the wise God, <clears throat> to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. We give you praise and we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise.